0: Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
1: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports that's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson, and we've got the first of not one, but two helpings of locks here in this Thanksgiving week. So happy Wednesday to you here on this show as we're going to take a look at the Thursday-Friday games as well as give a little bit of an update of our win totals locks heading into the final week of the regular season. Some have cashed. Some are still on the line. Uh, we've briefly touched on that at the end of the the last time the three of us were together, but uh, but should be give us additional rooting interest. The win totals locks is a it's a separate competition, right? Kind of like money line sprinkles. We're not we're not yes. going to bleed in. Yeah, Absolutely. side bets uh, different, fit, trophy. different trophy. We're, this is like a European football, right?
0: yeah it's like a cup tournament it's right a separate tournament
1: we've got the fa cup we've got the euro all, all good and fun um gentlemen uh happy early thanksgiving to both of you uh how are uh, how are we feeling what's your what's your football viewing gonna be looking like weekend travel plans um any anything on tap that uh has 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 you feeling a little excited or anxious
0: uh i mean i I, I will admit I feel a little flustered because we're doing this early and I I have my routine that I get into when it comes to picking my locks and I do feel a little rushed. That said I, I do feel fair, just as confident about every single one of these locks as I do every other one so but I just I feel hurried.
2: yeah this weekend it'll be interesting because Friday is usually my semi day off and uh, there's games this Friday. So <clears throat> I'm not sure the family unit knows that yet that there might be some some typical Saturday activity this Friday. So uh, we'll see how that goes over. But um, Thanksgiving should be good. Surprise! Getting, get, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're getting. I, I'm I'm loading up on the green beans this year. I'm the green bean guy in the family. So uh, got to after the pods over. Got to run to the grocery store, get some green beans, and, uh, and get them prepped for the morning
1: all right well uh well in uh in that case are uh are you guys ready to lock it up
2: yup yes sir We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming.
0: Since 2005, when Service Academy's Don't left. get
1: these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up.
0: The under is
2: 33-9-1. We've gone over a million times. You lock
1: these locks.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every every point, every cover.
1: All right. Looking back to last week, the honors on the T box are going to... Is it Barton?
2: Ducks. Yep, Barton. Yep. All right, Barton. Squeeze it out.
1: Thursday and Friday, we got about sixteen games to pick from. Where are you going?
2: Well, uh, let's let's. This is a Thanksgiving holiday episode, right?
1: It is. So let's
2: <laughs> let's start right there on Thanksgiving. The 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 famous Egg Bowl. The most, I'm convinced, it is the most hate fueled rivalry in. College sports, Uh, you know, there may be, quote, better rivalries or better games or I don't know, however you want to define a rivalry, there may be some that you would rank above the Egg Bowl. But if you are not, uh, if you've not experienced the the venom and just pure old fashioned hate that is present in this rivalry, uh, it's it's very real. And so I think there's a real <clears throat> opportunity to uh, monetize some of that hate here. You got uh, Mississippi State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Is that right? Yep. So I'm surprised by that. Ole Miss feels like it's playing a lot better right now than Mississippi State. I know Mississippi State is and was considered sort of a better team early in the season, and, and Ole Miss has has played a bit of a bipolar schedule—either really good teams or really bad teams—and it's but it's had its I think its moments, um, and it has it has been effective in getting John Rice Plumley involved in this offense, and Rich Rodriguez has been really good for this program and and they've got some young talent at receiver and at running back and they're they're, they're it feels to me that old miss is you know if it gets to 5 wins that's a that's a feel good season whereas if if Mississippi State is almost and barring just a blowout in this game where it, you know barring a Mississippi State blowout win feels like there's there's it's going to be hard to salvage this season from disappointment for Mississippi State fans. So, you know, one team, I think coming into this game pretty confident and, and, and fired up, one team maybe, maybe stumbling in a little bit. And I, I, Mississippi State has not been impressive to me in its ability to stop some of these more diverse, uh, run-heavy offenses. And I, I don't know that I trust their, their offense to put up enough points. So... I'm going to trust my eyes, and I'm going to go Ole Miss plus two and a half.
1: Does the dentist have a play on this game?
2: He does have a play. Mm. Is it in uh,
1: agreement with you?
2: The dentist is in agreement with me.
1: Ole so Miss. The dentist,
2: the, the dentist has a full – so the here's the dentist. The dentist is a little bit um, – first of all, the dentist texted me his his – thought process here in his pick and uh, I will let you know the dentist is at this point referring to himself in the third person oh no as, oh, <laughs> no! as the as the dentist and the and dentist are capitalized at all times <laughs> over the course of the the message so uh, it's a what is that a, what do you call that a formal noun um, and the dentist is is very conflicted because the dentist put the largest bet of his life on the Ole Miss season win total under, and so a loss here gives him his biggest single bet payday of his life. But here's his here's his explanation. Uh, this egg bowl has a lot of similarities to the 2016 game, Freeze's last game, home team with very possible lame duck coach needing a win to go to a bat well, uh, a bad bowl. Uh, different adjective there that year. Ole Miss got boat raced by the heavy underdog, despite, a, despite everyone assuming Ole Miss would be the motivated team. So I think state is in that role this year. Do they want to win and go to an independence bowl with an interim coach and, and miss Christmas? No. Give me Ole Miss plus three and a half. So he's going three and a half. I don't know where he found that line. Lock it up. Moneyline sprinkle advisory. This is my pick, despite it being financially worse outcome for me. I told him that's the right side for him. Cause he, he can hedge it a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, but yes, the dentist is in agreement. I'm going to give him two and a half here because unless we're, is there a, there's not a three and a half somewhere? Is there?
0: No, it's two and a half. It's two at some places. Yeah.
2: I, so yeah.
1: Um. Tom, do you have a play on this game? I do. Uh, uh, are we going to be on? Are we fighting, or are we going to be? Uh, are we are we going to have the kids uh, the children cheering for us?
0: Why do you, do you need to find them? Do you need me to stall for you?
1: No, 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 no. I, f- I found the children.
0: Uh, oh, well, <laughs> then hit the damn button because we have lock agreement.
1: Egg bowl under?
0: Uh, no, I'm on Ole Miss.
1: Oh, okay. I kind of teased where I was bouncing between because I was torn Uh Mississippi State Overs and rivalry game sort of weeknight hate fueled unders <laughs> I, I I was flip-flopping on it for an hour
0: <laughs>
1: I couldn't I couldn't make my mind up I'm, my 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 lock is egg Bowl under 58 and a half but I'm glad that the children were able to cheer because we do have lock agreement between uh, Barton and Tom so congratulations on the dentist for uh, getting his uh Getting his Ole Miss season total under as lock agreements between Barton <laughs> and right. Tom right. are one in five on the season. Yeah.
2: yeah, but how many of those had the dentist? In agreement yeah, we have the, the yeah the, we have we have a dental recommendation at the uh, tag to it, so we're in good shape here. Yeah. three out of four pickers agree.
0: Yeah, this
1: I mean it just has fifty eight and a half is is not a massive number. I'm not going to feel comfortable about it, but in a game that you know, does have a lot of extra stuff going on. I just I just don't see it being a, a fun-filled shootout. So I will also – I want to just point this back for conversation. You mentioned Mississippi State lame duck coach. Are we there with Joe Moorhead? Because you could entertain the idea that Joe Moorhead's looking to get out. You could entertain the idea that Mississippi State is maybe looking for a mutual parting of ways. But I don't know if I'm ready to say Joe Moorhead to Rutgers is a lock, especially as we're getting reports that there is mutual interest between Boston College's Steve Adazio, who is in a similar position, you know, kind of on a little bit of the edge, needing to get a win to get to a bowl game. And I just, with there being other candidates, I I don't know I don't know how to diagnose the. Uh, Mississippi State side of things as it pertains to Joe Moorhead and the future of that head coaching position.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a little bit of just sort of bluster from the dentist. I, I, I mean, is is this going in a direction that feels positive long term for Mississippi State? Not really, but there, it strikes me as being a little bit of a tough exit strategy for both sides right now i mean is joe moorhead really gonna go i mean i've, I've even talked about I've, I've sort of hypothesized about him going taking rutgers but is he really gonna i mean that's that's a little bit tuck tail and running is he really gonna swallow his pride to that degree and say i couldn't cut it in the, in the west let's go take rutgers ah uh, i don't know um even if they were interested which i guess they they've displayed some sort of level of interest but not i, I don't know how serious that's gotten um and then i i just would be surprised, and particularly given the the suspensions this year that they've had to deal with, I'd be a little surprised. if, I'd be really surprised if Mississippi State actually made a move. I think now that that all could change if somehow Ole Miss just absolutely blows the doors off Mississippi State. Then in a bitter rivalry like that, I think anything's on the table. But I think the bigger point is sort of just this uh, uncertainty about like is Joe Moorhead our our guy long term, and, and and how that might infiltrate the enthusiasm of the roster, which is hard to really read from the outside, you know, outside the, the building. But I just think it's worth uh, it's it's worth sort of maybe adding to the adding to the recipe, adding to the stew, sprinkling a little bit of of, uh, of that in there to to, to ponder.
1: Uh, Tom, what's your old Miss thoughts?
2: Uh, we've gone over a lot of them. I, I agree with Barton
0: that this is one of my favorite rivalry games every year. I can't wait to be digging into my my slice of pecan pie as the Egg Bowl gets started because I just love watching this game. Uh, I think that... I mean, it's a lot of what Barton was saying. I think Ole Miss, if you just look over the last month or so, Ole Miss has been playing better than Mississippi State. And even if it doesn't show on the record, because Ole Miss is what, like one in three in its last four, and its only win was against New Mexico State. But it played well against Texas A&M. It hung in there. It played well against Auburn and hung in there. And while it ended up losing to LSU by 21, it also rushed for over 400 yards against it. Meanwhile, Mississippi State, in games against those same teams, pretty much got blown out in most of them. And, you know, we saw it against Alabama a few weeks ago, even after two, got knocked out of the game. They still couldn't do anything against an Alabama defense. that hasn't been great. They, you know, they lost 38 to seven and their lone win in the last, since I think their lone sec wins since September was Arkansas, which I don't think that counts. So, I like Ole Miss here. I think they're playing better. I was surprised to see that they were, you know, the dog. I thought that they might be favored, but I obviously it's in Starkville, so that wasn't likely to happen. But I think Ole Miss should be favored. And just for trends, the road team has covered the last four Egg Bowls, and the underdog has covered five of the last seven. So everything points towards Ole Miss here.
1: Mm,
2: throw that down. Oh,
1: Interesting, interesting. All right, uh, Tom take a, That's our Thursday. Take us to where you want to go.
2: And, and, and by the way, Chip, in favor of your play, because I actually thought about playing the over here, right? Because I, I think there'll be a lot of, again, I would, I would still would lean the over because I think there'll be a lot of points scored and there that, that over well and Starkville has, has been tasty, even though I, uh, I lost once, um, on it, but the, the origin of that over well is based in part on all these suspensions. Uh, that Mississippi State has has had to deal with, including Lee Autry and Willie Gay, two of their top three defensive players, probably. Well, the, the, they're as healthy and as as uh, fully functional as can be defensively this year. So right now, those guys will be back. Uh, Cam Dantzler is supposed to be back. So uh, there's if if Mississippi State is going to put together a good defensive performance, if you don't believe in the rust factor, then this is this is the one that they'll they'll do it in.
1: Nine touchdowns feels like a lot. Feels, it does. Yeah, nine it's a big t- number. It's a, nine touchdowns feels like a lot in a uh in a Thursday night, Thanksgiving night rivalry game. So especially one with the point spread this close. I, I almost like Mississippi State overs better when they're big underdogs. Because you feel like, ooh, I wonder if Kylan Hill can get loose. Anyway, uh Tom, take us to Friday.
0: Uh we will start Friday with Uh, thing I've been doing all year long and I see no reason to stop doing it now. I am taking the under 63 and a half in Texas Tech at Texas. I feel like I'm going through the same routine every week, but man the unders have been really good at (laughs) Texas with Tom Herman uh, since he came in 2017. The under is now after last week's game against Baylor, which stayed under, is 18 and 9
2: in Texas's
0: big 12 games under Herman this season it's five and three and in the last four Texas games over the last month there has been an average total of 48.25 points scored in Texas games which is a full 15 points below where the total is in this one plus if we look at Texas Tech this season the over is five four and two in Texas Tech games but only three Texas Tech games have finished with a point total higher than 63 and a half, And the under has gone five and two in the last seven meetings between these two. And then as if all that wasn't enough, it's going to be kind of windy in Austin. Not not quite wonderish but we've got nine mile an hour winds. We've got some possible light range, just something to keep an eye on because we already like the under, and it's going to be a windy Thanksgiving weekend across the United States. So maybe just keep your eye on that forecast when Friday morning rolls around because we, we might have a wonder going.
1: Mm. Can I get this at uh 10 and a half anywhere?
2: Uh, let I've me got, check. Let me check.
1: I've got it on my card as no, a potential. It's only no.
2: 10. Yeah. Sorry. I'm
1: going to leave it on the sideline. But I, I, if you wanted to jump on Texas Tech with a do you trust this Texas team at this point in the season, sort of given the way that things have gone, uh, I, I like that motivation as, as a point for trying to jump on the Red Raiders to keep this thing within double digits, maybe make maybe make Tom Herman a little nervous, maybe a whole lot of just keeping the ball in Sam Ellinger's hands. But I cannot say with confidence – that I have a good enough feel on Texas Tech to back them in this position. But a Tom Herman under's dog, of course, uh, we love that. But uh, a fade Texas play I wouldn't hate here. But I'm going to leave it on the sideline for the locks.
2: I'll take you up on that offer. Texas Tech plus 10 is on my card. Oh, nice. Uh, so it, part of the problem, the part of the challenge at Texas – and we've talked about sort of how all these Texas coaches sort of seemingly underachieve and what's, what is the deal. Well, part of the deal is you're, you're rocking the burnt orange and you're, you are absolutely, whether you're good or bad, there's a target on your back. And if you're ha- in, uh, in the midst of a disappointing season, your opponent doesn't care. They, they still see Texas coming to town or they still see going to Texas and they uh, are going to get up for that game. Texas Tech is is uh, out of postseason contention. Um, it's got you know this is the last game of the year. Um, I think it is. I mean, they've shown the ability to play games close. I, the Texas Tech hasn't lost by more than ten points since September. Right. I mean, they, all these games that they're that they're playing in and losing are close games, and. Uh, Tom Herman at Texas is 1-6 against the spread when he's a double-digit favorite against a Power 5 opponent. So, And the only win of those against the spread was an 11-point win as a 10-point favorite. So this is a typical spot where... And I'm not saying Texas Tech wins, but I am saying that this is like... This is too many points. I mean, Texas has not proven to us that it's ten points better than anybody in the Big Twelve, and so I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Texas Tech as Texas deals with this existential crisis and injuries and and everything else that's um, that's that's giving them trouble right now in Austin. So uh, I'll take the Red Raiders on the road.
1: I'm going to take us to Charlottesville, where we've got. Virginia and Virginia Tech, the Commonwealth Cup. It's been 15 in a row for the Hokies. The last time that it looked like it was a little bit tight was 2011. Mike London had a better than average uh, Virginia team. Things were kind of moving in the right direction. Virginia Tech, however, had Danny Cole. And Danny Cole was the heartbeat of that team. David Wilson was the heartbeat of that team. Gave an inspirational speech in the team hotel before the locker room. Virginia Tech went out and beat them 38 to nothing. There is an immense amount of pride within the Virginia Tech program about uh, being able to beat Virginia and even more important of being a team that contends for Coastal Division Championships. I understand the ACC Coastal has been uh, the... The place of much entertainment, uh, the place where we hope everyone ties at four and four. But the Virginia Tech football program, since joining the ACC in 2004, and since they expanded to two divisions in 2005, it is sort of built within the mentality of the program that all right, this side of the conference, like we we run this side. And as this Virginia Tech team has done some soul searching following that 45 to 10 loss to Duke, I think I think they're playing. They're playing foot. They're playing football at a level better than anybody not named Clemson in the ACC right now. I don't think that they are all that talented and impressive on paper, but their defense is locked up, playing above its head. They're figuring out how to get it done with a little bit of Hendon Hooker, a little bit of Quincy Patterson. Damon Hazelton gives them some good options on the outside, and I just I got Virginia Tech minus two and a half. The the tight butts that we saw from Virginia in last year's game, I'm afraid that they will appear again in Scott Stadium. So give me the Hokies minus two and a half.
0: I really wanted to take Virginia in this game, but I couldn't do it. Your beloved who's. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. So I, th- I think you're probably right.
2: I yeah, I saw this number or this this game and I've I just I think I'm I mean, I'm I'm probably not alone. There's probably a lot of people like this who just are just so soured by that early season of Virginia Tech and I just can't I can't get there. But you're probably right. I just need to I need to uh, just sort of accept it that this Virginia Tech is they have become a good football team. Um so, but that said, I, I'm I'm I am certainly scared of this this game.
1: Justin Fuente challenged them with some hard coaching, and they've responded well. It's impressive. I you know people were ready to bury Justin Fuente in Virginia Tech earlier this year. So it's
2: crazy. It's yeah. crazy the turnaround. It really is impressive.
1: They lost to Boston College and Duke, and here they are, one and they win away. be a couple of FCS teams. Yeah, yeah, and they're one win away from probably getting a spot in the Orange Bowl if they're able to beat Virginia. Yeah, nuts. Um, all right, I've got th- two to three more Friday plays. Wow. <laughs> all right, did y'all? I'll, I'll go ahead and step right up. I have,
2: I have two more. All right, I got one. I have one more Friday play.
1: I, are any of them mumps related? <laughs> <laughs> no. We are fading <laughs> the mumps in this next play. The University of Arkansas Student Health has sent campus-wide alerts for an outbreak of mumps, and reports indicate that the mumps have made their way into the football locker room as well. We are fading. Wow,
2: good research.
1: We man. are fading the coachless, potentially mumps-infested Arkansas Razorbacks <laughs> against Missouri. <laughs> it's a big number for uh, Missouri quarterback Kelly Bryant to cover. I understand that. And, hey, like – Some of our comments for the listener mailbag, like we don't always get to, you know, address every single one of them. Keep them coming, by the way. Five-star review. You leave the question. Like our mailbag episodes, trust me, once we get out of the season, like that is we are going to be hitting pretty much anything that we can from there as as, as a way to sort of keep the conversation moving. And we appreciate all of that. And there were some comments in there. It's like, how could you guys lock up Missouri knowing the limitations of Kelly Bryant? So I'm stepping right back. Like, I burned my hand on the candle on the, in the centerpiece of the Thanksgiving table, and I'm sticking it right back over there with science and medicine on my side. <laughs> I'm taking Missouri minus 12 uh, against Arkansas.
0: Is there... Any concern on your part about how Mizzou will react to the NCAA's decision?
1: Yes, the idea that they are no longer playing for a bowl game.
0: Mm-hmm. So these these are this is this is a couple of dueling principles here. We've got no motivation versus mumps,
2: right? <laughs> but yes. what are you are you more inclined to believe that physical health uh, <laughs> is more detrimental than mental health issues? because right now Missouri is, uh, is, is can't be in a mentally strong place where while, uh, while Arkansas might very well be. Is, um,
1: is Barry Odom on
2: the hot seat? Yes, I think I mean if he loses this game, yeah, like, I, th- I think that Barry, like whether this is a, a positive whether this is a, 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 an attribute in favor of playing Missouri or fading Missouri, I think Barry Odom is in some ways coaching for his job. I don't think he, if he, you know, I don't, if, if Arkansas beats Missouri, is Barry Odom back? I, I'm, I don't know. I think very possibly he's not.
1: Mm. Okay. I'm, I just, I got, I got to go with my initial instinct on this fade mumps.
2: Go Tigers. <laughs> I, feel like a, I feel like that's a, that's a strong principle
1: coming up on the other side. More of our Thursday, Friday locks next. Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson
0: podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon
1: us. Whether it's baseball news, UN NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies. If there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts no bs no soft tosses no hot takes you know
0: it's always business it's nothing personal there's nothing
2: on earth quite like this oh my- The UEFA Champions League is back at its new home on CBS All Access. Stream every match of the world's most prestigious tournament live. That's incredible. The UEFA Champions League group stage kicks off Tuesday on
1: CBS All Access. There's nothing like it. Uh, All right, Tom, what you got?
0: Uh, For my next lock, we're going to go with another. uh, Well, this one is an official wonder. We're heading to Lincoln Friday afternoon, early afternoon where it's going to be temperatures in about 35 at kickoff, some drizzle. So it's going to be oh. cold and, and wet.
1: And what a great Iowa-Nebraska thing Nebraska you want when it's game. cold and wet. Yeah.
0: 13-mile-an-hour winds blowing in your face. Because that's what we're going to have in Lincoln. It's going to be windy. It's going to be cold. It is going to be wet. And I look at this matchup, and I think, you know, this plays well for an under anyway. The under is 44 and a half. That's where we're getting it. Uh, Nebraska has been able to run the ball last week against Maryland, but it's Maryland and this Iowa defense much different than it faced in Maryland. Iowa has done a very good job of limiting its opponents all season long. And whereas Nebraska – Its biggest problem, typically defensively, has been stopping the run. But Iowa has not been a very good rushing team to begin with. So I don't think that's going to be a huge problem for the Cornhuskers. And then just, you know, unders in Iowa, man. The under is 8-1-1 in Iowa's last 10. It is 7-1 in Iowa's last eight Big Ten games. It is, you know, it's it's 5-2 in Nebraska's last seven home games. It's just wind, cold, wet. Just I, I feel like this is gonna be just kind of a nasty game. And also, you know, I think Nebraska needs to win to get a bowl game, correct? Correct. Yeah, so you know, Iowa, they're gonna be trying defensively a little bit harder to slow down Iowa, and Iowa is gonna be doing everything in its can to make sure Nebraska doesn't go to a bowl game.
1: Five and a half is a tough number here. I looked at this side for a long time. I couldn't couldn't get any uh couldn't get any feels on it. I, I love your I love your weather wonder, wet wonder uh, update here. Barton, you got to play on your beloved? No, I
2: don't. I, I, I took a look at this, this line and I, I, I marked it down not as a, I didn't have a lean one side or the other. I just I felt like maybe I could find some value somewhere here, but uh, as I investigated, I, I, can't, I can't exactly figure out what's going to happen here. I, I, my hunch is that Iowa still wins this game, but uh, the score, how close it is, that's it could be it could be anything, really. So, um, no, I'm scared of this one.
1: I want to live on the edge on Black Friday. And so, I want to have to look out there and say, Beaver's defense, I'm going to need some stops. <laughs> I'm going with the Apple Cup. I'm not the yeah, – yeah, I'm going with the Civil War. Not the Apple Cup. That's from later. Uh, I'm going with the Civil War under – Oh, no, that's on Saturday. Sorry. Forget oh, about it. A
2: little, little, little teaser. Little te- A
1: yeah, yeah, little teaser for the next episode. Um, I'm going with Memphis minus 11 against Cincinnati. Cincinnati has won football games in back-to-back instances where it has thrown for less than 100 yards. <laughs> Cincinnati is as one-dimensional as it gets. Michael Warren II is the only thing that it can do offensively. And honestly, all right, so Cincinnati has also blocked kicks in four straight games, and a blocked kick returned for a two-point defensive score is the only reason that it beat Temple last week. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati has been playing with fire. It is ineffective offensively, and it has already got the American Athletic Conference East locked up. I think that Memphis not only wins this game, but wins it handily. I'm going to take Memphis minus 11.
2: Lock agreement. Yeah. Uh, give, me the, give me the children. Thank you, children. Good <laughs> to hear from you. Uh, the I'm I'm in a like that was a little bit of where I went with this. When you look at what Memphis has done this year, um, there there's really been only two games where it's it's really kind of the floodgates have opened defensively. It was against Tulsa and SMU. Two very pass happy teams. Um, when you look at some of the better teams it's played, that it has really uh, suffocated and and squashed out was, you know, Tulane, run heavy team that's a good squad held to 17 points. You know that Temple game was a little bit weird. Uh, Navy, uh, run heavy team held to 23 points. Ole Miss run-heavy team held to 10 points. So I think that this Memphis defense that I came into the season with high expectations for is better equipped to handle a a, a more uh, one-dimensional offense that you pointed to with Cincinnati. And I think offensively, uh, Memphis is just clicking right now. And as good as Cincinnati is defensively, you know, Cincinnati's also had a couple of games where it's, it's, it's given up some given up some points um you know east carolina comes to mind um i think south florida moved the ball a little bit against them so uh, all that said i'm with you give me memphis uh minus 11
1: all right uh tom
0: uh my final lock for the thursday and fridays i am taking west virginia plus 13 and a half at tcu uh, the weather definitely plays a role here because this is technically a wonder. It is going to be, you know, winds between thirteen and fourteen miles an hour, but I think that the total is a little too low. So I don't I don't really fancy that much, but I do like West Virginia as a two-touchdown dog in what should be a lower scoring game in some bad weather. Because frankly, fading TCU at home, pretty smart thing to do. Ooh. Since the start of the 2015 season, at home, the Froggies are. Are 9 and 21 against the spread. As a home favorite, they are 7 and 18 against the spread. In Big 12 games anywhere, they are 17 and 28 against the spread. TCU, the last four years, man, not been great at covering. And I just look at this as a matchup where they're probably going to win, but it's going to be kind of a crappy day. And I think West Virginia is going to do just enough to stay within the number. So. Give me the Mountaineers, plus 13 and a half.
1: That is so... That just ties together so well with Boise's bad home, especially as a big home favorite trends. BCS Busters, big home favorites, you fade them. Mm Mm-hmm. Old school uh, Boise-TCU rivalry. I like that a lot. Uh, So, to review our Thursday and Friday plays, we've got... Tom Fernelli is going to be going with the Ole Miss plus two and a half. That's a lock agreement with Barton under 63 and a half in Texas Tech, Texas, Tom Herman unders dog, the under 44 and a half in Nebraska, Iowa, a wet and wonder. And then West Virginia plus 13 and a half fade the froggies at home. Barton is going with Ole Miss plus 2.5, Texas Tech plus 10 in that Texas Tech-Texas game, and then Memphis minus 11. Memphis minus 11 is a lock agreement with me. On Thursday night, I will be on the under 58.5 in the Egg Bowl. I am taking VPI, the Hokies, minus 2.5 in the Commonwealth Cup, and I am fading mumps and hoping that Barry Odom coaching for his job means good things for the Tigers. I'm taking Missouri minus 12. The Dentist... Is uh, hedging his largest win total uh, wager of his life <laughs> with with a really sweet middle, right? Like if he if this thing comes down to a Mississippi State one point win, I mean I can't imagine what Thursday night's gonna look like at the dentist's house.
2: Yeah. Well, the nice thing is this you know the dentist worst case scenario on his on his large bet is a push, so um you know he's in he's in pretty pretty safe. Safe company here.
1: Pretty safe company here. All right. Uh turning to our attention to the win totals that we've got coming up. So far, Tom Fernelli has four wins and two losses. His wins, the Mississippi State under eight, the West Virginia under five and a half, the Tulsa under four and a half, Vanderbilt under five. The losses, Syracuse over 7.5 and and South Florida over 6.5. Charlie Strong, circling Wagons. So these are your rooting interests, Tom, and I want to know what your level of confidence is uh, just sort of in the the slate as a whole. We've got Kentucky going up against Louisville, so you need a Wildcats win to be able to hit the over 6.5. You've got UCF going against South Florida, who you've already lost the South Florida, but the UCF, are you already at a push? Or do you need the
0: win? Uh, no, they're at eight and three. I need them to win to push.
1: Okay. And then uh, Bowling Green under three. Is that tonight? Wednesday night?
0: Uh, No, that is not. That is on a...
1: On an actual... A mat game on, on a Friday. Saturday? That's Friday Friday. Friday. All right. Friday morning uh, under three. I believe they are like a 26 and a half point uh, dog. But they have three wins already.
0: 29.
1: So we need uh we need that Bowling Green loss to Go push. Go Buffalo. How are you feeling about uh your remaining interests in the win totals locks?
0: Uh I feel pretty confident on the UCF push and the bowling green push on Kentucky. That's a coin flip. I mean, Louisville's gotten so much better as the season's gone along and Kentucky's so banged up. Had you know if Kentucky isn't playing, it's like, you know, wide receiver at QB for the last half of the season. I think that over would have been hit pretty safely, but, you know, we are where we are.
1: Hey, Lynn Bowden's always going to have a place in my heart for the work that he has done. He's been a monster. Uh, my card, win total locks, wins on Notre Dame over, uh, win on Cincinnati over, win on Mississippi State under, win on Texas Tech under, win on Auburn over. Win on USC over the losses. Syracuse over seven and a half, a big time loss, and then uh, Colorado under four and a half. Mel Tucker had those boys going early, and uh, Stephen Montez, the <laughs> one one <laughs> listeners uh, thought of the best NFL QB one <laughs> <QB1 laughs> from the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon under nine, so I would really need. I would need uh, Oregon State to shock the world if that's going to be able to come in. I mean, for that's me.
2: not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Don't you like it's it's it, Oregon probably wins. So you probably, you don't have to sweat that, but uh there is a, there is a, a a universe where Oregon stake a win that game.
1: Bowling Green under 3, I am also on and then Clemson under 11 and
2: Got to be sweating that one a little bit right now.
1: I mean, uh <laughs> honestly, if Clemson <laughs> lost that game, the, the there would be less joy from hitting the win total then there would be frustration with having to like it, ha- having to just sort of recalibrate everything, right? Like, isn't yeah. a big piece of the college football playoff discussion just uh, just being able to understand that Clemson is this known entity in the picture,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is what is all this talk that we've had even mean anymore if Clemson can't beat uh, South Carolina as a twenty-eight point favorite, right? Like, what have we what have we even been doing this whole time? Like I've, let's just let's just quit our jobs and just go, you know, go work on a farm or something. Like because it's all been totally pointless if Clemson can't get in the playoffs with a as a twenty eight point favorite.
1: Exactly, uh, and then Barton. He has won Notre Dame over eight and a half. He has won uh, Michigan under 10 and a half. He has won Penn state over. He has won Oregon state over. He has won Louisville over and he has won Utah over. You've got the Ole Miss under still out there and you've got the North Carolina under still out there. Uh, push locked in for, so it's either push or loss for North Carolina. Is it, push or win for Ole Miss.
2: Right. And it feels then, like I'm going to get a push from Ole. I mean, my expectation is I push Ole Miss. I lose North Carolina. I push Bowling Green. Yeah. Don't you think I'm going to lose North Carolina? Yeah.
1: I think North Carolina, I mean the, the spread on that game is like eight or nine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, NC state's shown no reason to think that they're going to win that game.
1: Sam. I mean, one, one team has not had a quarterback all year. The other one, the other team has one of the best freshman quarterbacks in the country. So yeah. I, I feel like that's where that's gonna go. So we got we've got our rooting interests out there and you, the listeners, have second helpings of locks coming tomorrow. So uh Thursday morning, bright and early. When you're going to uh, to make your travel, wherever it is, getting in the car, uh, by the time that you wake up on Thursday morning, to whether you've you're got a turkey trot, whether you do some parade watching, or whether, as I mentioned, you've got to do a little bit of moving around, we are going to provide the audio entertainment and winners for you during that. So make sure that if you are not already subscribed, you subscribe to the Cover 3 College Football Podcast. We'll be back at you on Thursday morning. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. one door closes another opens the 2020 fantasy baseball season is over but 2021 prep is just beginning join scott white and me frank sample on fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network as we take an early look at position previews review mock drafts and react in real time to the mlb hot stove not only that we'll be welcoming in some of the best guests in the industry to try and figure out what was real and what wasn't from the abbreviated 60 game season Listen Tuesdays and Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found.